Welcome to the second episode of the Real Estate Life Podcast, where we create a life of passive income through real estate and doing what we love. Today, we welcome Adrian Acosta. He's an attorney and specializes in evictions and family law. He's also our counsel here at SAR Apartment Capital. We will discuss what's going on with COVID and the CDC moratorium laws, as well as how to handle problematic tenants and money damages. All this and much more up next. Real estate investing is changing, but there are people evolving and thriving. In this podcast, we'll listen to their stories and hopefully learn from them. I am dedicated to creating a life where I could create multiple passive income and doing something I love along the way. To me, the most important part is doing significant work and create great relationships along the way. For those that want to invest in passive income multifamilies, email me at abio.com. My name is Abio Ballesteros. I am a real estate investor and entrepreneur, and I want to help you live the real estate life. Welcome to the Real Estate Life Podcast. Welcome to the Real Estate Life Podcast. Welcome to the Real Estate Life Podcast. So on this podcast, we are dedicated to creating a life of passive income through real estate and doing something that we love along the way. So today we have a special guest, Adrian Acosta. He is the attorney that specializes in evictions and family law. He is also a good friend and is counsel to SAR Apartment Capital and has advised me throughout this COVID process, which we needed a lot of help on. And I think all of us that are landlords are also going through the same experience. When it comes to this ever-changing dynamics of landlord and tenants law in Miami-Dade and Broward County, he is the man that I go to. Adrian, how are you doing today? Pretty good, Abiel. Thanks for having me on. All right, brother. So Adrian, uh, just so the listeners could have a little bit of background, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, we'll take it from there. Well, I was a paralegal for 11 years for a civil litigation firm. I went off to law school in 2013. I graduated from St. Thomas School of Law in 2016, took the bar in 2016, got licensed in 2016. And then I went out on my own in February of 2017 to open up the, my current practice. Um, I've been an attorney for almost five years now. I specialize primarily in the, in the realm of family law, criminal defense. And thanks to you, doing landlord-tenant law. So the, the way this took off, um, there was a deal that we bought a couple of years ago. I, I bought 102 units in Miami in a neighborhood called Little Havana. Um, it wasn't a distressed property, but it was definitely a property with uh, tenants that were paying uh, very old, old, old uh, rents. Uh, probably, it was probably like 12, 13-year-old uh, uh, leases. There was a lot of month-to-months. So throughout the process, when we started executing our value add and increasing rents, uh, I needed a lot of help uh, from legal counsel on how to proceed on 15, 30 day notices, evictions, and so on and so on. Reached out to Adrian and I think that took a natural course. Uh, Adrian took the challenge and uh, educated himself very quickly on on eviction and laws uh, related to to this. Uh, That was quite an experience for us. Um, things have changed since then. And I would say that now we have different challenges. Uh, and today's show is it's about what's going on with COVID, CDC, uh, moratorium laws. And I want to jump straight into it, Adrian. So CDC has issued a moratorium on evictions that's halted evictions to January 31st. Uh, there are rumors and there's a good chance that this could be extended. But as of now, let's talk about uh what's going on and what are the five criterias that landlords need to know 
uh, about evictions. Um, they're pretty long, so let's just summarize the five so listeners can get an idea of what they are. I mean, basically in some nation, you have to show that you have some sort of an economic hardship. You make uh, less than approximately 99000 and that you've tried to seek some sort of governmental assistance. Um, the CDC basically created like this declaration where the tenants just basically fill it out and they, they submit it to the court. All that does is um, prevents the sheriff from executing on the writs on the back end, right? Regardless of the fact that there's a CDC moratorium, you still have the opportunity to file a complaint for eviction, whether it's for non-payment of rent or to terminate a month-to-month tenancy. So what I'm seeing now is a lot of landlords are waiting for the moratorium of their evictions to be lifted to then to proceed with uh with filing a complaint for eviction that is not the way really to go about it because you still need to hire an attorney to do the legal part of it first before the actual executing on the writ and tendering possession back to the landlord occurs so you're saying that some 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 landlords are strategizing and saying we're we're just not going to start the process because we'll just wait until till the the 31st comes up and you're so that that is not the right strategy that's not the right strategy. What you need to do is obviously initiate, a uh, obviously get your three-day or 15-day notice. The three-day would be for non-payment of rent or a 15-day notice would be pursuant to Florida statute to terminate a month-to-month tenancy, meaning a tenant who's not under a lease, correct? So you need to comply with those provisions before initiating a complaint. You initiate your complaint, you serve it, the, resp- the defendant has five days to respond, depending on the response, depending on how quick the eviction moves. If they file an answer, you have to either move to strike their answer. If they don't do anything, then you, you can default them. So, so after the complaint is filed and after service, after they've received service, it, it can go a myriad of ways, right? Hence the reason why you should file now, because at the end of the day, the moratorium doesn't stop you from obtaining a final judgment. The moratorium stops the sheriff from removing the tenants and then tendering the possession over to the landlord, right? Now, like the, yeah, so that, let's touch base on that because I, I know that I've asked you this question a few times and I, I think I've even called you on a Sunday to ask you this question. Are the sheriffs showing up? Are they open right now in Miami-Dade or Broward County? Absolutely not, which goes back to my prior point on why you need to file an eviction as soon as possible. The sheriff, especially in Miami-Dade County, is they're putting them on a queue, on a list, right? So as the as the final judgments get rendered and as they receive what's called the writs of possession, which is the clerk advising the sheriff to tender possession over to the plaintiff landlord, they're putting them on a list. And when they start executing on these, they're gonna go through the list in the order of which they were submitted. So if you wait for the last minute, you're going to be way down on the list. So, so let, let's talk about that list because um, we looked at some interesting stats right before we got on this podcast. Um, how many evictions uh, are they tracking in Miami-Dade and Broward County? Uh, so people can have a perspective on how important it is to start filing. But, well, as of December of 2020, there are 7,000 active evictions in Dade and Broward County combined. That's insane. So that's how full this pipeline is going to be, guys. If you got to you, you to start following your process. I mean, hopefully it doesn't get to that, but um, those numbers are scary. 
And uh, from what I've seen, that there's a good chance that this stuff could double. Um, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if it does. Um, very sad, but it's, it's really, this is really happening. Um, yeah. So that, that, that's, that's our advice. Start, start the process. Don't wait. Um, if you can communicate with your tenants and find other process, just try to do that. So one of the things that's happening to me is, uh, I, I do have tenants that, uh, they are, they, they do meet the CDC criteria. They're following the steps. They're providing the paperwork. They're working with our management company, uh, and those tenants, uh, I do appreciate that they work with us. Uh, we've had a lot of tenants that received government help. They've gotten, we've gotten checks. It's helped us as a business to be able to maintain our properties and uh, continue to give them, you know, a nice clean place to live. And that, that's, the, that's the part that sometimes tenants and landlords uh, tend to forget. It, it, it's an operation, it's a business. It costs money to maintain these properties. Um, but there is that, and, and I won't say it's a very, very small amount. It's very surprised, you know, things that, oh, no, all tenants are not paying. No, that's not true. People do want to pay rent. People do want a place to live. They don't want to go through this. They don't want their landlords asking them, you know, when are you going to pay the rent? Most people do not want that. So what I've seen is there's a very small percentage that just don't care. Um, they are not caring to follow any of the CDC guidelines. They're not filling any of the paperwork. They're not cooperating with the management. Now, what do we do about those tenants, those problematic tenants that are disrupting the, the apartment or the, or the place where they live, making it difficult for other tenants to live? Uh, what about those, Adrian? Are, are, is there any way around that on, on the ones that are just very problematic? Uh, unfortunately, there, it depends. And, and I say it depends because it depends on the tenant's action, right? Is he unruly? Is, he, is, it, is it getting to the point where it, the, the tenant's being violent and then police have to be called? Um, then there's probable cause that this person's committing a criminal act. That, you know, there's that extreme. And then there's the extreme that you know the tenant is taking advantage of the landlord. The tenant knows that there's a moratorium on eviction. The tenant hasn't made any single bit of effort to seek any sort of governmental assistance to help out with the rents. And they and they're just sitting there not paying rents. And there's nothing that the landlords can do because the sheriff's not executing the writs of possession and not tendering possession over the over to the landlord based on the CDC moratorium. So we're in a really weird place. And I'm having that in the beginning of the pandemic, we, we all assumed, hey, this is gonna be two weeks, right? Two weeks went into months, and now we're almost about to be a year in in March. I've been encountering a problem where my clients have said, yeah, I just want to get possession. Let's focus on that. I get possession early on in 2020, let's say April, May, or June. Um, I only have a final judgment for possession. I don't have money damages. And now here we are months later with months of rent not being paid to, to the landlord. And now the landlord who is my client is is asking me, now I want to go after money damages. Now I want to do this. And sometimes what you need to understand is money damages, I have to do, we have to take extra steps, right? I have to personally serve the tenant with the copy of the complaint, right? Which is called in personam. It's like a first year law school thing. In order to get money damages against somebody that have to be personally served. In REM, 
which means of the property, I just have to post the summon. My pod server has to post a summons on the door, and that allows me to get possession, not money damages. So I was proceeding under just posting them on the door. That's five days notice, get the final judgment, get possession. And, but I don't have a money judgment. Now, here we are. Now I'm in this difficult situation where the, the, the landlord's out several months of rent, tenants still on the property. I've had the final judgment for several months. And now I would have to either A, file a separate action for damages or B, amend the current complaint and try to seek money damages and then personally serve them, which sometimes the tenants vacated they don't leave a new address. I don't know where to find them. And that just leads to a whole other myriad of problems right. down the line. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about lease, leases expiring or month-to-month leases, uh, especially, uh, especially when the landlord just wants to get possession of their property. There, there's no, there's no, the tenant's not defaulting. They're making their payments. Uh, but still, you know what, the, the, the landlord, the owner wants to get possession of the property. Right. Same scenario. Is it going to fall? There, you, there's no way of enforcing this either. It falls right back well, into that. Uh, well, if, you, if you're speaking about leases, now we're talking about it's kind of like in the realm of contract law, right? So I can't really, if, there, if there's an active lease, let's say for another six months, I can't really terminate that month to month tenancy. Unless they breach some of the one of the provisions of the lease, which is typically non-payment of rent or you know destruction to the property or uh, well, interrupting quiet use and enjoyment with the neighbors, things well, of that nature. I, I'm talking about leases expired. It's it's already going month to month. You you want possession back of your property. Uh, they were paying tenants, but you just want your property back. Uh, you give them a 15 or a 30 day notice, uh, depending on your state. Uh, your state laws, you're still you're still at at the mercy of the tenant saying, you know what, I don't want to move out. Uh, I want to continue paying. Do you uh, keep accepting their money? So let's say for I'm going to walk you through a scenario. And this is a scenario I've been through. Um, the lease expired. Tenant was a paying tenant, but I I want possession of the property. So I let the, I gave them the tenant a 30 day notice that when their lease expired, um, I wanted possession of the property. The tenant ignored it. He goes, no, I don't I don't want to move out. I'll continue paying you. So the tenant goes and continues depositing their money. Should I return their money back since I want possession of the property or should I keep it and keep enforcing it? What should, what should a landlord do? So you're, you're, I think you're confusing two concepts, right? Which is non-payment of rent and terminating the month to month tenancy. Ter- terminating. We're talking about terminating. So their the lease is expired. They're a holdover tenant. It's month to month. You just give them the notice. You can still accept rent because you're not complaining about the rent. You're complaining about him not being the, the tenant not tendering possession over to you after you've given them proper notice, right? So you can still proceed. Mm-hmm. You, can still, you can still accept rents. Okay. Um, just need to realize that, which is a lot. A lot of things that landlords forget about is remember, especially in Florida, you have about. 50, once a tenant vacates and you have their deposit, you have 15 days to write to that tenant and explain to them, either return their deposit, if the, if the tenant is the unit is in, in decent condition, or return a portion of the deposit and explain 
why you are returning a portion of the deposit, usually supported by estimates if there's damage on the property or something that wasn't taken care of. Um, and that's not just typical normal wear and tear. Okay. Right? All right. So, so your suggestion is continue taking the, the rent payment instead of uh, saying, instead of not taking the payment and saying, I want, I would like for you to move out. And I will not accept your payment because by accepting the payment, it will continue our month to month process. You can't accept payment on evictions that you file for non-payment of rent. Okay. We're, now we're talking about paying tenant that the lease ends. Right. But you still want them out. You so you're want you're them terminating out. their month to month tenancy. They're still obligated to pay, to pay rent during that tendency. Got it. That tenancy, you know? Got it. So don't confuse um, non-payment of rent and terminating a month to month tenancy is two, they're two different things. In, 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 in non-payment of rents, you're, you're not allowed to accept partial payments or any rents. All right. So let, let's go. This, let's go to a tough question. What, what was the most difficult eviction you have had? And give us the, how you fix that. And the reason why this, I want you to give us the tough, the, the worst case scenarios, because I feel like every landlord at some point might go through this. Um, well, I, I just lost my first eviction and it wasn't my doing. And this is some tips that I would to landlords to make sure that they have all of their ducks in a row. Um, certain landlords, what they like to do is have a move-in date that's not on the first. And then let's say the tenant wants to move on the fifth, you, you have to prorate a daily rate for the amount of rents for the days in that month that they're, that they're occupying. It's really easy sometimes to screw up on that calculation and it, it comes down to the line that the tenant doesn't pay the rent. And then you're, you, you know, you, you, the landlord does a three day notice and that def, that three day notice is off due to them not properly prorating the rent. You basically lose automatically because that means your, your three day notice was defective from its inception. And then you'd have to follow a new case. So that's, that's one lesson I learned. Um, so I don't recommend any landlords that, so how much time? How, how much time would you lose on making a mistake like that? Just so they can have an idea how something so simple like that could could lose could make them lose time. Oh well, on this one, due to the pandemic, I think the clients out eight thousand uh, dollars. How much time from now for him to correct that would he lose? How many weeks uh, not to resubmit? Oh, now they have to create a new. They have to correct their their ledger, create a new three day notice, put the new three day notice, let the three days run. I'm gonna then, depending on your attorney, if they're able to do the complaint the same day, file a complaint, wait for the clerk to generate the case number, which can happen the same day or the next day, then issue the summons, then have your process server go out there and serve it. Once it's served, then the five days, then they have five days to respond, and then you're you're running into you don't know if they're gonna file a response, they're gonna uh, just sit back and sit on their back, and then you yeah, default them. Yeah, something so, so simple. Yeah. Something so simple can get really complicated and eat up several months yeah now uh, i want to jump to the next uh, next topic me personally i've never done this it was very interesting for me to hear that you're handling something like that landlords financing deposits and moving costs to their tenants why this is a bad idea not you're, we're not saying that you should not do it but l l let us know why this could be a bad idea it's just it's just hard it's hard to explain to explain to the court why you got to that number. So then I have to pull in a witness who's typically like my client's bookkeeper. I got to pull it in. 
I have to explain to them why we got to these numbers. Like, why is the rent so much higher every month uh, when the rent amount is a certain amount, right? You have to explain to them their financing, um, either first, last, or security, and that they they had like whatever six months to get caught up, and then the rent went back, and it just creates more confusion. It gives the defense more of a way to get out uh, or prevailing with the eviction against the landlord, and then landlord having to start over again so that's just something based on my personal experience with one of the cases i had like if the tenant doesn't give you the first last in security um up front you typically don't want to finance any part of any security deposit or first or last month rent yeah all right so what what's your biggest failures that you had in uh practicing law and practicing evictions i could tell you my biggest failures with tenants you know i uh, one, we mentioned them not serving correct notices. Uh, another one is uh, not taking a picture when I serve that notice on the door. Uh, that one is that you have to implement that. Uh, There's so many of them. Uh, g- give us, give us some of yours. I mean, obviously, like making sure that the numbers that you put are correct and accurate. Keep a detailed accounting. Keep a detailed ledger. I know some of my landlords, you know, they just have an extra rental property and they don't really do that. But I, you know, and I can show it through other ways, through bank statements or something to that effect. But just keep a good record of the amounts of rents that are coming in. Um, remember that even when a tenant vacates, you should still let the tenant know why you're keeping their deposit, whether it's for back rent or whatever. Because um, then you can be exposed to um, attorney's fees and re- having to return the deposit if you don't follow some simple step by writing them a letter as to why you're keeping them the rent after they vacate the premises. Opinion, like experiences, being clear with what your client's wishes are, whether they want money damages, whether they want possession. Um, that, that's something that could change along the way because I, I, exactly. I could tell you I've, I've felt that way in the past where I'm okay with the eviction and then I find out what the tenant did to the property because I didn't get access to the unit. So that's something that could change. And I've been in that place where I'm like, okay, I just want to do the eviction. I know the property's not in good condition, but then when I actually get the eviction done and I see what's inside, it's, it's, um, it's upsetting sometimes. Um, How would you suggest they, you know, how do they go about that? Well, as far as like damage to the property. Correct. I mean, then you would file a separate lawsuit for damages, right? Um, that's if in a perfect world, which typically doesn't happen in a lot of our situations, the tenant vacates and then they give you an actual address which or an email or something where they're going to be, right? Um, that typically never happens in our situation. The tenants vacate, they're gone. We don't know where they moved out to. And then you, you get possession of the unit. They didn't do a walkthrough and the place is destroyed, right? Um, and not, we're not talking normal wear and tear. Um, I've had some instances where the tenants vacated and all of a sudden the unit mysteriously catches on fire. I've had a nightmare where a tenant has poured concrete down the drains and then screwed up all the plumbing. I mean, I've seen it all. Um, I, mean, I think I, that I, I, as a lawyer, can't control. And, you know, if these people vacate and they don't leave an address, now I got to, you know, hire a private investigator. Have uh, you seen these things settle? Have you seen any of them settle? As far as like damages? 
Correct. Never. Never. Yeah, yeah, it's they're tough. gone. They're I, I, don't, tough. I don't know where they're at. It's tough. It's too expensive and then, to chase and then, them. And then you got to then you as as a as a landlord have to do a cost benefit analysis. Like, am so, I going to pay so an X amount of dollars yeah. to then maybe or maybe not get a money judgment against the prior tenant? Is did the prior tenant have any assets? Like, what you know, are yeah. is he collectible on a judgment? Uh, so I, that's I, where I, your cost benefit analysis lies. I always advise, um, and if, if it's possible, if you could do always, uh, I always advise my partners or friends and family who are landlords, uh, your first step uh, when dealing with a difficult tenant it should be a, a cash for key. I know it's hard. Some people are like, I don't want to give them money to move out, especially right now through, uh, during COVID. Uh, cash, for, cash for key for me has been a savior uh, where I just you know offer the tenants money to move out. I offer... I offer their first and last month to move out or I even offer them uh, moving help. I'll get a moving company to help them. Uh, that's a strategy that I learned years ago through REOs and buying foreclosure properties. But that strategy helps. Now, uh, it doesn't always work because in reality, some people do have difficulty finding another place. But always go to that first. Adrian, so how can listeners reach out to you? Well, you can go to my website, which is www.adrianacosta.com. PLLC.com. All my information is there. You can give me a call. I'll respond. My goal is to respond within 24 hours, especially now with all the high volume I've been doing dealing with eviction. But my goal is to always respond within 24 hours. I'm here to help. Um, if I'm able to assist somebody and just guide them, I'm, I'll be more than glad to. Um, but typically, you know, it's better off just going with an attorney and not dealing with it because. Uh, especially in situations where these properties are owned under corporations, which I wanted to mention earlier, corporations always need to be represented by counsel. So that is the easiest way for a judge to either dismiss the case or, or delay the case because the, the corporations are trying to do it themselves. And corporate entities can't represent themselves pro se. So, okay, that's that's good to know. See, I didn't know that important one. Important for them to know. Yeah, that's good to know. Yeah. Adrian, thank you for your time. Till next Bye. time, brother. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Life podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to reach out to me, please go to my website www.abiasteros.com.